You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. Good morning. How are you today? Getting on my fancy shirt. How do you like it? It's orange. It's got some cool colors and stuff. We'll talk about this here in a minute. Uh, today we continue our series on Colossians, and uh, I, I am uh, looking forward to this next half of the series, this next part. We're talking about being rooted and how a tree that is rooted is healthy and strong in the midst of a storm. But a tree can even look good on the outside, and when the storm comes, it's blown over because its root system is weak and shallow or frail or sick. And so what we've been doing is we've been talking about how God wants us to be rooted deep in Him, and when that happens, when the storms come, we stand. In fact, Colossians, the, the book that we've been kind of focusing on, is, is about a church that was going through a storm. It was going through a, a belief storm. And their pastor had traveled all the way from this little town of Colossae all the way over to the big, bustling, metropolitan capital city of Rome to talk to the Apostle Paul who was in prison. So he's been talking to Paul, asking Paul some help concerning some uh, issues of concern that was going on in his church. And the book of Colossians is Paul's response to the church in Colossae. And it is broken up into two sections. The first half is all about the root system. It's about what we believe. And the second half is about the fruit system. It's how we live. And while the first half is about what we believe, it's what we believe and how deeply we're rooted in that that causes our fruit to be the way that it is. So Colossians 2, 6, this is kind of the theme verse that says this. Kick that Skittles out of the way. I might be tempted to eat it. Uh, Colossians 2, 6 says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue. If I say continue. Continue to live your lives in Him rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, everybody say as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. He's saying keep growing, stay grounded, stay strong, stay rooted in Christ, and hold on to what you were taught and what you believe. So Paul begins to lay a foundation of what God has called us to believe, our root system. He spends the whole chapter 1 and chapter 2 all about how and who Christ is and what he's done for us about what the gospel is. He warns against the deception of false teachers. And now he transitions into something personal. Right now we get into the heart of what Paul is writing to Colossae about. Today he starts getting to our business. He kicks open the door of our closet. And today I want you to do something for me. I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to walk into your closet and to check out your life. Um, There's a TV show that's on uh, TV called What Not to Wear. Anybody ever seen that show, What Not to Wear? What Not to Wear is kind of comical. It's basically a friend that writes in a letter, and this, this picture is about how terrible the fashion sense of their friend is, how they have like a terrible out-of-date clothes and they're just they're just have no sense of fashion and so they show up maybe at work or at this person's uh, hangout place and surprise the person and uh, they go your friend told us how terrible your style is and uh, so let's let's go take a look at your closet so then they go to her house they take a look at her closet and they pull out piece by piece items of her clothing and they mock her the whole time or him they're like, oh, you know, all these jokes about how old these clothes are and how out of date and how unfashionable and how unstylistic. They embarrass them. And then after they crush their spirit, they send them on a shopping spree. And uh, they buy them all new, uh, all new clothes. And by the end, tears are running down their face. Their life has changed. And uh, the majority of the show is based on the fight to get rid of their old style. That's really the gist of the show is there's nothing wrong with that shirt. It doesn't have any holes in it. It's still, still. this is a shirt that I've had in my closet for many, many years. I don't know. 
guys, we hang on to stuff forever because you just never know when you might need it, right? I mean, we just do that. I mean, this is a shirt that I've had. I actually proved that I needed to keep this shirt a couple of years ago when we did our Halloween outreach. I dressed up as like a, a big afro and a mustache in a 70s kind of, uh, you know, disco guy with the big gold chains. I needed this shirt for that. So it came in handy, right? So I told my wife, see, I need to keep all those ugly old shirts. So I have these ugly old shirts in my closet that my wife has been telling me for years. My kids, they're embarrassed, and uh, they'll get me something. They'll go, finally, you look cool. You know, <laughs> say, what? I always look cool, you know, in my mind. But see, there's this sense that we hold on to our old self in more ways than we realize. Paul today is going to talk to us about a total life makeover. This is what we're going to do today. We're going to dig in the closet. We're going to throw out the old stuff. Um, No mocking you. I'm not going to mock you. I'm not going to embarrass you. God's not here to make fun of you. But by the end, I believe you're going to look back. If you'll let God get in your closet today, you're going to look back and you're going to thank God. So um, Paul is talking about a complete total life makeover. He Chapter 3 covers personal life, it covers marriage, it covers family, it covers work, everything in between. Next week, we're going to cover a section in Colossians that talks about husband, wife, and family. So next week's Valentine's weekend. Don't miss it. We have a, a Valentine's appropriate message. We're reading through Colossians. We're going to be hitting it next week. So uh, let me show you some pictures here. Uh, clothes tell a lot about a person, right? Uh, these are skaters, all right? Now, um, this I don't think I can pull that off, any of those. I could probably pull off, you know, maybe this dude down here, but I can't. I can never get a beanie right in my head. No matter how I put that hat on, it just does not look right. I'm not a beanie hat guy. I'm not a scarf guy. I'm not a skinny jean guy. I'm, I'm, I, I want to be a Converse guy, but I don't even know if I can pull off Converse shoes but uh, or Vans. I, hey, I could wear Vans, guys. Um, that's a joke, by the way. If I have to tell you it's a joke, then it's not a joke, is it? So these are skaters. What, what does this tell you about these guys right here? Okay. You kind of maybe have an assumption about them. Let's go to the next one. Uh, what is this? This is the, this is the businessman. This is the Wall Street. This is the businessman. We got, we got, we got skaters to Wall Street. What does this tell you? It kind of gives you an idea of what... They might be like, and let's look at the next one. Um, what does this tell you about these dudes right here? They like plaid. These are the surfers. So we got the, uh, we got the skaters to Wall Street to surfers. Each one of them have a specific style that speaks about who they are as a person. Now, what does this next style tell you about the people? <laughs> They like spandex. These are the superheroes. Now, immediately, when you see a guy like this, you're like, or a girl, or a girl like this, you're like, man, and then they're, they're fighting crime or they're a villain, right? Do you think something about them because their style dictates a message? Now, throw up this last one because I want to talk about this for a second. Um, all of these things tell us about these people. Um, you can tell who is who. And what their personalities and likes are just like simply based upon their style. We don't know their heart, uh, but their style, their dress says a lot. In fact, in some environments, it can open and close doors. Now, I want to emphasize something very important today. I'm, today, we're going to talk about dress for success. And I'm not talking about your clothes, actual clothes, all right? Turn to your neighbor and say, Ted is not talking about my clothes today. Because God does not really care what your style is at all. He loves the skater, the Wall Street, and the surfer all the same. And each one of those people, though their life projects a specific style and speaks a certain message, each one of those people, and there's other kinds of styles out there, each one of those people can love Jesus and still have a closed style. Today, in reality, what we wear does send out a message, but I'm not talking about our clothes. I'm talking about the attitude and actions of our heart. What Paul does is he asks us to take a look at our closet and clean out 
the old style of who we were before Christ. Some of you, you've given your life to Christ and, and uh, you're walking through what that means to be a Christian. Some of you, you have not made that decision yet. And I want to challenge you today as we read Colossians to, to let the Holy Spirit speak to you. What comes from the tree? That's what we're going to talk about today. As a person is rooted and growing in Christ, our fruit is different from the world's fruit. It tastes different. It looks different. That's the style. That's the clothes we're looking at today, the spiritual clothes, okay? So Paul is challenging Colossae to take a look in the closet. Let's do that. Colossians 3, verse 1. That's what we're going to look at today um, and 3. So uh, chapter 3. So verse 1 says, since then you have been raised with Christ. He says, since you're his, you are a follower of Jesus Christ. If you have bowed the knee to Jesus Christ, if you have... Uh, received his grace and forgiveness and turned from yourself and turned to him and chosen to follow him in your life, then you are dead to self, raised in a new life. That's the picture of baptism. He says, but since you've been raised into a new life with Christ, set, now that you're new in Christ, now, he says, set your heart, that's your passion, your mind, your desire, set your heart on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Now, this is not condemning the things on this earth because there's a lot of things of God on this earth. There are a lot of things on this earth that point to God. There's a lot of things on this earth. I mean, God created the heavens and the earth. He he created the heavens. He created every one of us. He's responsible for the creation of mankind and every animal. And God said at the end of the day, It's good. So God looks at the earth and he says, it's good. He looks at people and say, you know what? He loves them as people. What he does not love is our response to rebellion, our sin, and how we have perverted his will and his design. But when we think of things above, what are the things above? Well, the Bible says if there's anything good, then it comes from above. So that we are to think about those things. Some of those things might be uh, people, family, relationships, the kingdom of God, things that point to God. He says this. Here's the gist of it. He says, the style that you have looks different in many ways. He says, first of all, you think different. The style that you have is one that where you think different. We have a new view of life. We set our mind on different things. There's additional passages in your worship guide where you can unpack this whole idea of having a new mind, a new life, a new way of looking at things. Basically, it's what you think about. We, uh, we were passionate a couple of weeks ago, and there was a speaker who gave a great example of, of uh, overcoming uh, temptation in our life using this uh, passage and using a passage in uh, less leads to sin and sin leads to death uh, and in James. And he says this, our, what we think about stirs our affections. What we are affection. Uh, what we are affectionate about stirs our passions, and that is what we chase. And the things that we chase or pursue are the things that result in the choices that we make. So a lot of us are like, I'm trying to break that habit, trying to get off that temptation. I'm trying to stop doing this or stop doing that. You're in Christ. Now set your heart and your mind on a new direction. He says, if you want to change your choices then you've got to go all the way back to the mind. You've got to think about what you're thinking about because what you think about feeds your affections. What feeds your affections feeds what you chase, and what you chase feeds your choices. So if you try to change your choices without changing your pursuits, it's not going to happen. And if you try to change your pursuits without changing what you're affectionate or what you're passionate about, it won't happen. You've got to go all the way back to what you think about what you're feeding your mind with. Because Paul says, you're in Christ now, think different. He says this, verse 3, for you died. And your life, if you're in Christ, your life is now hidden with Christ in God. He says, man, when God looks at me, he doesn't look at my past. When God looks at you, he doesn't look at your sin, your struggles, your past. He looks at Christ because you are hidden in Christ. So when God looks at you, he sees Christ. He says, uh, I'm hidden in him. 
I am in him. He is in me. He is working in me and on me, changing me daily. He says, I've died. My old life is dead. I'm hidden in Christ. When Christ, who is your life, by the way, everybody say, is your life. He's not a part of your life, a section of your life, a, a priority list on your life. We don't section off Jesus. He is our life. That's a powerful verse right there for somebody. Christ, who is our life, that's fanatical. Well, we're all fanatical about something. I choose to be fanatical about my creator who desires to walk and be with me. He says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then also you will appear with him in glory. See, we're stuck between two advents. The first advent was his first uh, first coming when he walked this earth and died on the cross for us. His second advent is one day he's coming again. And we are in the middle of two advents. And one day when he comes again, we will be made new. Until then, we're all a work in progress. We look to eternity. With Jesus as our focus, we pursue different things. With Jesus, in our, with eternity in our view, with Christ in our view, with heaven in our view, then our hearts have a different affection, have a different pursuit. They have, uh, we have a new identity. We're not, we're, our life is not based around our past. We're hidden in Christ. We have a new identity. We're a new person. Paul says, you know what? You're new. It's time to change out some things in your closet. It's time to take off the old and put on the new. He says, the first thing you need to start doing is change the way you think. Paul creaks the closet open again in verse 5. He says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to this earthly nature. Sexual immorality. That's, by the way, any sexual activity outside of God's design. Sexual immorality is not just sex before marriage, and it's not just intercourse. It is any kind of sexual activity outside of God's design. That's a large umbrella that sexual immorality means. He says, uh, he says put to death. He says, now that you're in Christ, these things got to die in you. Sexual immorality, that's activity outside of God's design. Impurity, that's the misuse of sex. Lust, that's sexual desires acted out in your mind. And, uh, and then he says evil desires. We're going to talk about that in a second. That's wicked plans. All of those things deal with sexual issues. Now, I want you to know something, that God created sex. He created it, and he wants people to experience it. He designed it. For covenant committed marriages, and that is the place where God says it is really good. In fact, the very first command that he gave Adam was go and multiply and become one. Both of those involved sexual intimacy. So God, it's part of his plan, in his plan. Everything else when we are outside of his plan is an excuse to indulge in earthly sexual natures. He says, but you're a new Christian now. You're a new Christ. You're a new man in Christ. He says, it's time to set your mind on different pursuits. He goes on, he says, put to death evil desires and greed. That's the I want more monster, which is idolatry. Because of these, he says, the wrath of God is coming. He says, you used to walk in these ways. I want you to, if you have a Bible, you need to circle that or underline that. He says, you used to walk in these ways. He said, that used to be the norm for you. You know, sexual addiction, sexual sin, lust, you know, sleeping around or, or whatever, you know, greed. The, the, you know, we have this fascination with, with wanting to be famous, fascination with wanting to be rich. Uh, most of our pursuits in American culture is the desire to be wealthy. That goes back to greed and envy. He says, you know what? That's the way you used to think. That's the way we, that was autopilot before Christ. He says, but now... You used to be that way. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. See, now we start to see Colossians' struggles here. The problem is, is they were in Christ, but they were drifting away from what they believed, and they were struggling with their old life. Paul says, take it off. Paul says, take it off. Everybody say, take it off. It's okay. You can say it. Everybody say, take it off. I'm going to have you say it again in a minute, so... We'll make sure you say it. This is what comes off. He says, these are not rules that save us. This is a healthy pruning. Remember, a healthy, deeply rooted tree drops a different kind of fruit. Okay? This is not a change that brings us closer to God. This is a change because of our relation to God. Does that make sense? This is important. 
And he goes this, not only do you think different, he says you talk different. Look at this, you talk different. Colossians 3, it says, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. He says, don't lie to one another. He says, by the way, these are not negatives. These are positives because he's challenging them to be patient, have self-control, have respect for one another, be loyal, be an honest person, be kind, be gracious with your words. These are not negatives. These are positives. And he says, since you've taken off the old self, take it off. If I say take it off, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on a new self dress for success, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of the creator. It's time to change clothes. It is time to take the old off, to clean out the closet. It's time to put to death that old style of yours of how you lived your life. Paul says, take it off and put on a new life. You're in Christ. Now walk in Christ. Some say, well, I don't struggle with any of these things. I'm good with all of these, you know, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language. <laughs> only every now and then, only when I smash my finger or when I, or when I want to tell a really good joke. Um, I know people that uh, they, uh, slips every now and then when you're trying to be funny. Well, then maybe you're, you, maybe you're not as funny as you think if you need that to be funny. Um, just a thought. So the question is, how, how do you talk to your wife? How do you talk to your husband? How do you talk to your parents? How do you talk to your kids? How do you talk about your boss behind his back? That person that ticks you off, how do you respond to those people? This is not the Christian gold package that Paul is talking about here. When he says, take it off, take off anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, he says, don't lie to each other. He says, man, take it off. Man, this isn't the gold package. This is for every follower of Christ. Paul says, If you will open the closet and take a good look at what's in there, there are certain things that need to be tossed out. And don't donate them because it's just going to hurt somebody else. Actually, get rid of them, all right? These are not man-made rules. This is God-planned Holy Spirit fruit. Galatians 5, the entire chapter talks about it. I want you to read that this week. And if you want to, I would love for you to text me or post on our Facebook group. Uh, what Galatians 5, the entire chapter is telling you this week, Jesus did not set us free to continue in sin. He set us free from our sin. See, there's a lot of thought that says, you know what, you received Christ, and then you know what, we're just going to, you know, we're just, we're just vagabonds. We're just kind of struggling through life. You know, we're just going to, we're always going to be sinners. Well, yeah, we're, there's a measure of our life uh, where we're always going to struggle with something. But there's an issue of maturity that the Bible is very clear on. It's In the Bible, it's called the process of sanctification. It's the process of being set apart and looking more and more like Jesus as you grow and mature with him. See, when you just accept, well, I'm thank God I'm saved by grace because I live like hell. Then, then that is not grace. That is sloppy Faith, that is religion where you have bought into a belief system to rescue you from hell rather than follow the Christ who gave his life for you. And Paul says, you know what? You're redeemed. Now live in a way that reflects that you are redeemed. He didn't save you so that you could continue in sin. He saved you so that you could be set free from the grip of sin, its control and its hold on you. Here's another, he goes on to say in verse 11, here's another thing that's different. He says, uh, here there is no Gentile or Greek, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. All of these are barriers that existed in the Roman world. They had a caste system. That means if you were here, you never talked to somebody here. If you were wealthy, you didn't talk to this person. If you were a, an owner, you never talked to a servant. If you were wealthy, you never talked to the poor. If you were a ruler, you never talked to the common. It was a full caste system of separation and barriers in that culture. And Paul says, in Christ, it doesn't matter what color you are, what background you have, what kind of money you make. In Christ, you see people different. This is another thing. And I want to point this out is that if you have a prejudiced attitude towards people of other color or of people of different economic backgrounds or a prejudice even against people of different politics, 
I believe that's sinful. Because in Christ, we are all the same. We are new creations, reborn into a new family, a new culture, a new citizenship. We are one in Christ. That's the beauty of the kingdom. When you stand before God in heaven, if you are his and you will be a part of that angelic, you know, choir of of worship, you're going to look out. The Bible says every tribe, every tongue, every nation is going to be represented in that sea, in that ocean of people. And the more diversity we have, then the more like heaven we're going to look. Paul says, you see people differently. You don't see yourself as superior. You don't have mental segregation. The sin of racism is something you need to repent of. If that's something you grew up with and you need to surrender that to the Lord, looking down on others is a sin. He even goes to the extreme. He says, barbarian and Scythian, that's extreme examples for them. Those are, those are two types of people that hated each other that were on the opposite end of the cultural spectrum. He says, even the two most extreme examples are people in Christ who are together. Here's the next thing he says. Not only do you think different, do you talk different, and you see people different. He says, but you walk different. He says, the way that you live is different. He says this, just as I chose how I respond, I can choose what I wear. He says this, therefore, as God's chosen people, that means God picked you. If you're a child of God, God chose you. You didn't choose him. He chose you. God put it in your heart to come to him. God convicted you through the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus said no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Apart from Christ, you have no way to know him. He picked you as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourself, put on a new spiritual wardrobe. He says, clothe yourself with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, and patience. He says, basically, you are holy, so be holy. Take off that old style of doing things. I don't have another shirt to put on. Uh, Somebody loan me a shirt, a jacket. (laughs) That's all right. Uh, Especially your shirts. Um, I should read that verse again. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness. And, uh, uh, Sean and I, we joke around. I love Sean. We are to put on a new, a new life. Look at this. Let's look at some of these things. These are not rules that save us. They're the fruit that drop off a deeply rooted tree. This is important. If you are deeply rooted in Christ, the fruit off your life is different. That's what Paul is saying. You can't pretend to be a follower of Christ and have the same garbage growing out of your life. It's time to take it off. Time to shed that skin, clean out the closet. Let's walk through some of these. Compassion, that means getting in somebody else's shoes. That means changing our view of life. That means having empathy. When you can climb into somebody else's life and you see the world through their eyes, that's called compassion. Another thing he says in kindness, that means treating people better than they deserve. I think this world would be so much richer if just the people of God, for crying out loud, would just be kind. A smile, a wave, eye contact, generosity in their kindness. He goes on to say, and humility. That means accepting the lesser role. Humility is not weakness. It's actually strength under control. That's humility. It's letting go of what you think you deserve and choosing to be silent and choosing to be last. It is humility, accepting a lesser role. Instead of trying to be the first one in line, best parking spot, best role, best piece, best slice, best position, accepting a humble role. He says, man, let's walk in this. And then he says, in gentleness. That means holding back a response to a harsh uh, attack. Or if someone treats you harshly, you don't go, oh, yeah, bro. You know, you know fire back, you're actually gentle. You respond with love. You respond with touch. And I'm not talking about a punch. (laughs) I'm talking about a gentle, loving touch. And then he says patience. Some translations say long-suffering. That means putting up with more than you should. And long-suffering is a really good translation because it means you will suffer long. 
That's what patience is. True patience doesn't run out. It suffers long. He says that's the kind of clothes we need to put on. That's the new style in Christ, putting up with more than you should. Jesus is saying put these on because when you, ooh, when you put that on, it doesn't just make you look good. Jesus says it makes me look good. Jesus says when you put that on, oh, yeah. It may not feel natural at first, but the Holy Spirit is working in you into a new person. But when you put that on, it might be hard at first, but, man, you look good, and you make me look good. That's what Jesus says when we put on these things. Paul goes on, uh, other things to put on. He says, and also bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgive you. Here's another thing to put on, grace. Put on forgiveness. That means we are persons that walk, we are people that walk in grace and forgiveness. Someone offends you, you don't hold it against them. If a family member or a coworker or a, a husband, wife, kids, a neighbor offends you, you quickly let it go because you walk in, you're wearing grace. You're wearing forgiveness. You're wearing a sense of, I'm going to give away what you don't deserve. And that is favor, unmerited favor. That's what grace defined is. He says, it's okay, but forgive those that don't deserve it. Well, forgiveness is something you put on. It's a choice. And it's at that moment when you choose to forgive that you're putting on Christ. And we can do this because he says in verse 13, it's because we can forgive as the Lord forgave you. Let me tell you something. How has Christ forgiven you? Has Christ forgiven you of hypocrisy, of, of repeated mistakes and sin and failure of, of, of lies, of, of lust, of anger. Has God forgiven you? Well, then that's what we should forgive others. As Christ has forgiven you, he says, we have that ability because we've been greatly forgiven. Paul goes on. Here's another thing. He says, there's another thing to put on. Verse 14, and over all these things, put on love. Everybody say, put on love. He says, put on Love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. He says, put on love. That's this generous affection. When we say love, we're not talking about, man, I love pizza, and I love that movie, and I love that car, or I love this, you know, my watch, or I love my glasses, or I love those shoes. We're talking about a generous, unmerited, unconditional affection to others around us. He says, put on love. It's the outer garment. It's the jacket to all the clothes you put on. He says, man, if you're putting on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, grace, then put on the jacket, the outer garment, cover it all with love. Putting on all these things, they identify you as part of Christ's body. In fact, they're knit together. All of these things are threaded together with the cords of love and peace. So two questions to ask yourself today, and that is, in any situation, what is the loving thing to do and what would produce peace? I want you to think about that for a second. Maybe you're going through something in your house, in your home, in your neighborhood, with your family, at work. Ask yourself, what is the loving thing to do when your kids come to you, when uh, your parents uh, come to you, when uh, a friend, your husband, or a coworker, uh, what when your neighbor is 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 coming to you, what is the loving thing to do, and what would bring peace? That is what we've been called to do. Family conflict, arguments. Instead of what are my rights and who's right, it's we are called to love and bring peace, not be right. He goes on verse fifteen. He says, and be. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. This is the last thing, and I want you to realize this. Not only do we do we think different, do we talk different, do we walk different, not only do we see people different, but we worship different. We worship different. See, religion says, come in, sing a few songs, sit down, Stand up, sing a few songs, high-five some people, 
and then go on with the rest of your week. That is religion. But worship is a sense that we are here to be thankful, to connect with a God who sent his only son so that if we might receive him as our Lord and Savior, that we can be free. We can have forgiveness. We can, we can have the weight of sin and regret and shame of our mistakes and our past off of our lives. And we can be thankful. We can worship. We worship a person rooted in Christ. Their worship changes from empty words and songs to heartfelt adulation. It's rich. It's rich in worship. And it doesn't matter what the song sounds like. It doesn't matter who's singing. It doesn't matter if it's your favorite song. Because it's not the song. It's the object of our worship, right? Where it's not about who is doing the worship. It's the object of the worship, and that is Jesus. He goes on to say that as you teach, that means our songs teach us. I mean, Chris and I, when we go through songs and he submits songs, we've talked about songs. We want to make sure that these songs are all theologically sound to scripture uh, because our songs teach us. He says, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through the Psalms, that's songs from the scriptures, hymns, that's songs written by others, and songs from the spirit, that's songs from your heart, new songs. He says, songs from the scriptures, songs written by others, songs coming from your heart. He says, sing these songs to God with gratitude in your And we live thankful and grateful lives, deeply rooted. And a person that is deeply rooted understands the grace and mercy of God in a way that we can't help. But when we get in this room, we can't wait till that first chord is is played, till that first note is sung. Not because it's that song or it's that band or who showed up. It's all about, man, I can't wait to get with my body, with my friends, with the church and lift up the voice in the name of Jesus and proclaim in corporate worship. How good and faithful and loving and and gracious God is. We worship with a sense of urgency. He says, man, we do this because we're rooted. We can't wait to say, thank you, God. I was dead, but now I'm alive. I was in chains, but now I'm free. And in case Paul missed anything, he says this, verse 17, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus Christ and the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Basically, he says, and if there's anything else, do it all for Jesus. Whatever you do, whatever you say, wherever you go, this includes, man, work, man, that's for Jesus. Whatever you do, man, when you walk into work, when you punch that clock or, or when you type in your time or when you show up, when you pull into that driveway, you're not working for, for so-and-so. You're working for Jesus, man. You, when you pull, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all. In the name of Jesus, whether you're at work, whether you're with your family, whether you're going to the movies, whether you're doing a hobby, whether you're running or doing a recreation, whether you're having hanging out with friends, whatever you do, this is from Jesus to you. You realize when you walk into a place, when you do it in Jesus' name, you do it representing him. If you can grab that, that'll change everything about how you work. Because you're not walking, working for a boss who you maybe respect or don't respect. You're working for the authority of the king of kings. And you will give an account to him for the work that we do. Because all that we do is for him. Whatever we do, this is from Jesus to you is what we tell others. Of all of this, Paul says, I'm not saying this so that you can be a better Christian. I'm saying this because you are a Christian. He says, we don't do this to be a Christian. We're already in Christ through the cross. Philippians 3.16, he says, only let us live up to what we have already attained. This is what it's about. You are in Christ. Now walk in Christ. Now, here's what I want to end these last couple minutes with, is I want to tell you how you can do this. And it's right in Colossians. It's right there in the passages that we just read. Man, how do you change clothes? How do we clean out the closet from these nasty old clothes, how do, we, how do we do this? What do we do? All right, let's talk about it. Very simple. Here's the first thing you need to do. How do we do this? How do we clean out the closet? How do we change? Number one, receive the grace of Jesus and follow him as Lord. That's key. That's number one. Most of you guys know that. The first thing you need to do is in Colossians 2, 6, it says, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. 
Let's follow him. So point number one is what we need to do is, number one, you need to recognize who is the king of your life, period. Some of you here have got great religion, and you've got great church, and you've got, you know, the Bible answers, but you aren't truly walking with Christ. And that's the first thing you need. You need to receive Christ and choose to follow him. Let me, uh, I, need, I need somebody to help me out. Uh, Sean, I'm going to have you, okay, because you, you can go with the flow pretty good. I want you to stand over here, right, right here. So here's the deal. Let me illustrate it like this. Okay, this, this, is, this is, I'm going to stand behind Sean, if you're listening on audio. I'm standing behind Sean. So basically, this is, this is me. This is what you see. Whatever Sean does, that's me, all right? But all of a sudden, I receive Christ I accept his forgiveness and I turn from my sin. I turn to him and I say, Jesus, here's my life. I'm born again. I'm regenerated by the spirit of God and I am stepping into a new life. Now, all of a sudden, you begin to see glimpses of the me God created me to be, right? But still the old me, oh, don't go too far. The old me is still around, following me around. So you can follow me around. And sometimes the old me does stuff that's really dumb. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes the old me is just kind of a nuisance, but I'm a new person in Christ, right? I'm hidden in Christ. I'm a new man in Christ. I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm a new person, but I've got this old man, my habits, uh, my, <laughs> the Bible calls him an old man, Sean is not as old as some. Um, me. The Bible says our old man, our old habits, our old desires, that old style tags along. And sometimes he gets in the way of people seeing Christ in us. And I'm like, no, I am a Christian. I am a follower of Christ. I did give my life to Christ. However, my old man, my jerky old man, my old self still has the old habits of my old life, but I'm a new person in Christ. I have said yes to Christ. So here's what Paul says. It's time to realize, number one, you've given your life to Christ, but you need to recognize you've got an old man in you that's still fighting for control. He says, what you need to do is, number two, don't go anywhere. He says, number two, here's what you need to do. He says, you need to, number two, recognize that your old life is in the past. Meaning you need to recognize that that old life is not meant to be my new life. That old life is not what defines me. My sin does not define me. My bad habits do not define me. My mistakes do not define me. He says this in Colossians 3.3, 3, he says, For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. Your old man, man, that's an old life, an old way. You've been called to a new life, to a new way of living, to a new uh, direction, purpose, mind, to a new language, to a new attitude, to a new pursuit. But the old man, it's still there. But you've got to recognize that that old man is not who God wants you to be. He says, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are brand new. You're a new person. Your old life, some of you, you need to realize your sin before Christ does not define you. The mistakes you've made do not define you. Christ is your identity. He defines you. Your past does not define you. However, here's the struggle. Here's how it is when we give our life to Christ. We're this big, and that's how big our old man is. We've got a 180-pound gorilla following us around everywhere. I don't know how old you are, but I'm like <laughs> we got a hundred eighty pound gorilla following us around everywhere. And and here's what we do is we like, uh, I love you, Jesus, but who's gonna win between the two of us? My old man's always gonna win as long as he's the stronger, bigger one, right? Paul says, Man, it's time to do something radical. And here's the third thing. He says you need to starve the old man. You need to give your life to Christ. You need, number two, realize you've got an, an old habits, old way, old nature, old man trying to 
to wreak havoc in your life. And third, you've got to starve that old man. He says in Colossians 3, 5, he says, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. He says, but now must rid yourself of all such things as these. Things in the closet, sexual immorality, lust, evil desires, greed, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, all the things that he said, those are the things that feed the gorilla. Those are the things that feed the beast. So if we're constantly feeding this guy, who's going to win? That guy, the gorilla's going to win. Paul says it's time. You're a new creation in Christ. That old man, he's a monster. You got to kill him. It's kill or be killed. It's time to go hunting. He's not playing. He says, get rid of it before it's too late. Starve it out. Hunt him out. It's time to starve that old man. So first thing, give your life to Christ. Number two, along with that, realize that you've been given a new life and that old man, those old habits are still pretty strong. Well, number three, you've got to starve those old habits. Well, how do you starve those old habits? Well, he says so. You need to feed the new man. You need to feed the new man. If we're going to starve the gorilla, you need to feed the new man. This is what he says in Colossians 3. He says, You've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Verse 2, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Verse 10, put on a new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of Christ. Trust me, if all you get of God each week is right here on Sundays, then that gorilla is never going to be starved. If the majority of what you put into your life feeds the gorilla, then you're going to go your whole life struggling with sin in your life. You'll be a follower of God who's constantly battling the same habits until you decide to starve the beast, starve that old man, and feed that new man. I want you to hop down for a second. Eventually, the 300-pound Jesus inside of you will crush that little 180-pound gorilla. As <laughs> Nice. As you grow in Christ... You get stronger, that old way of life, that old self, those old habits, those old issues, those old attitudes, those old pursuits. As you feed the new man and starve the old man, the old man starts to die, shrivel up, and the new man gets stronger and stronger and stronger. Remember, what you think about feeds your affections. Your affections feed your pursuits. Your pursuits become your choices and outcomes, good and bad. It starts with the mind. It starts with what you feed your spirit. Thanks, Sean. I want to end with this thought right here. I'm going to end with, uh, there was an illustration that Matt Chandler gave, and uh, I thought it was so good I wanted to relay this to you guys, is that uh, if you have kids, and you remember when your kids first walked? If you have kids, you remember when you, if you remember when your kids first walked, that's like one of those moments you never forget. Raise your hand if you remember when your kids were first walking. All right. Nowadays, we got videos of it all, but before we had videos in our back pocket, all we had was like, oh, in our brain. All right, I need some rock and music. Preview music came on early. All right, this illustration music will work. All right, let's just say the first time my daughters were walking, I remember very clearly. You know, they're like this. They're walking around on their hands and feet. They, they, they climb up on something, right? And then all of a sudden, there's, this, there's that wobble, right? What are they going to do? Where are they going to go? And you're like, come on, come on, come on. And all of a sudden, they take that first step, you know? And they're going for you or to the dresser or to the other couch or the, the table. And boom, they wipe out. Now, I want you to know something. Kids, my my. My daughter had a big head, as most kids have big heads. And, uh, you know, you're wondering, how in the world is she going to keep that thing up, right? So when she falls, I don't go, ha, it's your big head. I knew it, knew you couldn't do it. No, as a father, what do we do? She takes the step or he takes the step, and it doesn't matter whether it's one step or two steps, we're going, yeah, Right? We're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Two steps. And what do we do? We don't say, get up, you dummy. Get up, you dummy. <laughs> you know, 
We don't do that. We, we, we will pick up our children, put them back at the same couch or something, and then just stand back, right? Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. And they'll take a couple of steps, hit the ground, and we're going, woo! Not because they fell, but because they walked, right? And eventually, two steps becomes three, begins four, begins five, begins walking, turned into running, turns into riding, turns into a life of pursuit where they pursue and follow their dreams and their feet take them all around the world. But you know what? At none of those times do I ever, ever get disappointed with the stumble because they'll continue to stumble. They'll continue to fall. And a good father never goes, ha, big head, I knew it. But a father says, yeah, I'm proud of the steps you made. Guys, listen, God has called us to a holy life. He is holy, and we are now holy simply because we are Christ. Now that we are holy, we are to walk in holiness. The actions do not make us holy. Christ does. We're already holy. But when we walk in his holiness, we reap the benefits of a life in Christ. Now, we're going to stumble. We're going to fall. We're going to take a few steps. God's never going, ha, ha your big head. Ha! Laughing at you. He'll never condemn us. He'll do exactly what a good parent does. Pick us up, brush us off, put us back, and cheer us on for every step that we can take, every step that we can make. The Apostle Paul is saying, it's time. Take off the old. Put on the new. Our Father is cheering us on. He's not giving up on us. Your identity is not based upon your actions of the past. It's based on who you are in Christ. Now let's walk in that identity. Okay. Uh, I want to pray for you and uh, we'll watch this video after we pray. And as uh, the video is playing, I'm asked the band to come down and, and uh, Sean's going to lead us in a time of worship with giving. And then I want to come back and, and uh, challenge you guys again. Let's pray. God, thank you that you have called us to a new life, a new way of thinking, a new way of talking, a new way of walking, a new way of seeing God, uh, you've called us to a whole new wardrobe. God, it's time to take off that old style, that old life, that old man. It's time to to starve that beast that's going to take us down. It's time to feed the spirit. It's time to feed Christ in us. God, I pray that you show us how. God, we love you so much. God, thank you that a deeply rooted tree drops delicious fruit off its branches. God, help us to be those trees rooted in Christ. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.